All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and as I like to remind you each week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, uh, and that is a letter that is published every week as well as monthly. And we just actually this morning went out with my June 17th issue uh, that uh, really is a, it's a 20-page issue and talks about a lot of the junior mining shares uh, that I think are extremely undervalued. And I'll have a few more comments to talk uh, along those lines in, in just a minute or two. I also like to remind you that I am the um, uh, that my company Taylor Hard Money Advisors is also in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What Is Chen Buying, What Is Chen Selling, and. Um, also, Chen's newsletter, you do need to sign up in advance for that. Put your name on a waiting list. And at the first uh, beginning July, the first business uh, days of July, uh, Chen will be accepting new subscribers uh, at that point in time. You can sign up for my letter at any time at miningstocks.com and uh, also access Chen Lin's waiting list at miningstocks.com. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, and I would invite each of you to keep your questions and comments coming to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4taylor at gmail.com. And I'd like to invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is jtaylormedia. Um, I want to thank our sponsors for making the show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are Caden Resources a company that's performed very, very well since they first came on as sponsors. Uh, Go Gold Resources, and we're going to be talking to the CEO of Go Gold in just a couple of minutes from now, Uh, and Uranium Energy Corporation, and we did speak to the CEO of that company last week, uh, Amir Adnani, one of the only new uranium producers in the United States. This is a time the uranium price, like a lot of the metals prices, are really have been down in the dumps. Um, the gold shares, um, interestingly enough, as I look at the gold shares, I go back and look at a chart of the uh, TSX uh, S&P index of the gold share index going all the way back for 10 years. And the index is now where it was when gold was trading at $300, uh, a little over $300. Uh, and now gold is 1250 something like that and it's so the index is right back where it was i believe uh you know i believe that the gold shares are extremely undervalued right now they've gotten no respect whatsoever at the same time a lot of these companies uh over the last number of years since gold started a bull market in the year 2003 have put a whole lot of money in the ground have really built up a lot of projects and prospects uh and that's why i'm becoming extremely bullish on the gold share uh, the gold share sector. No, very few people are, 
but uh, by definition, that's uh, sort of the right time to be in, uh, in in various markets, or at least start to look out look for value when nobody else seems to care about uh, about those markets. Um, one of the th- one of the themes that I've talked to David Jensen about recently a lot, and I believe that we'll probably hit on that again in the second hour of today's show, is the notion that platinum and palladium uh, are in very very tight supply right now. Uh, thanks a lot to the South African strikes. And yes, there is some talk that the strikes, uh, there's some tentative agreement, although the rank and file have not yet voted and agreed to it, uh, to come back uh, and to start working the platinum and palladium mines again in South Africa. However, it's going to take several months, two, three months at least, to get those mines back into production. Meanwhile, there is already a shortage, as David points out, the uh, GOFO rate is... uh, the, the near-term rates are much higher than the long-term rates, which is indicative of a shortage of supply and uh, in the platinum and palladium markets. Uh, and in the, in the meantime, also Russia has said, uh, Russia being the other major producer of platinum and palladium, have said they're going to go out on the markets and buy whatever supply is there. So it seems to me that we're looking at something that could be very, very uh, destabilizing. Uh, in that market, and um, indeed the palladium prices and platinum prices have uh, surged ahead of the gold market. Uh, and uh, so one of the couple of the stocks that I picked up on recently, uh, North American Palladium, uh, and has done extremely well. I recommended it in my newsletter uh, last uh, couple couple of weeks back, uh, as well uh, as the probably Stillwater Mining is the best known and the, the biggest of those platinum and palladium producers in North America. But both those companies have performed very well during this time frame. And another one of my favorites is Wellgreen, Wellgreen Platinum. Uh, we've had them on. Uh, Greg Johnson, the CEO, has been on the show a couple of times. They've been a sponsor of the show, but he's come on otherwise. And I, all three of those companies are recommendations in my newsletter. I really think that all three of them uh, offer great potential. Now, Wellgreen is not producing, but um, for various reasons uh, that we've talked about before, I think the economics of the Wellgreen project uh, look as good as any in the world, and the, and the potential is really very, very uh, the potential for developing something very sizable is is also evident there. And I would also add that uh, nickel, which has recently risen in price very dramatically, adds a considerable amount of additional value to um, uh, to that uh, to that project, the Wellgreen project in the Yukon. Well, let's get on to today's show. Uh, I've titled today's show "Geopolitics in Asia Point Towards a Rise in the Gold Price." Uh, Stephen Harner. Uh, and Terry Coughlin are first-time visitors this week, and then Axel Merck and David Jensen also return. Uh, When Nixon detached gold from money in 1971, he shot growth hormones into the veins of the military-industrial complex designed, really, to empower uh, the ruling elite to dominate the world, and frankly, quite frankly, I'm convinced, to dominate American citizens, contrary to the Constitution of 1776. Well, with no limits to dollar creation, the elite could, and they certainly have, printed endless trillions of dollars to fund NATO's global domination. But alas, NATO's limits are being challenged now as Obama seeks to pivot NATO's power into Asia. Indeed, Obama has said, and the United States has said, that we won't stand for anybody else having any military power in the Pacific, in the, uh, in the Asian, uh, in, in Asia. And um, so today I'm going to, the second hour of today's show, I'm going to talk to Japan resident 
American citizen investor, uh, investment advisor, Stephen Harner. He'll be with us to sort out growing hostility towards America in China's backyard as Asians seek to hold onto their wealth. And they're increasingly being threatened, especially China, by what they view as a fraudulent U.S. dollar. Um, and I think that it's increasingly evident that uh, the Chinese, or the Russians as well, and others are losing confidence in the dollar, although it, the dollar has held up relatively well recently. Also in the second hour, as I mentioned, David Jensen will join me once again to help us fit the pieces of the economic and geopolitical puzzles together by looking at how the establishment is trying to keep the truth away from average citizens by manipulating the precious metals markets to convince all of us as James Grant has said, to believe in the Ph.D. standard is rather than the gold standard. In other words, trust the smart guys, the guys with Ph.D.s behind their names from Princeton, Harvard, and Yale, and you have nothing to worry about. They have replaced capital G-O-D with all of these little uh, G-O-D-S gods. Well, with a shorter-term view of uh, the Fed fund, uh, of the Fed dollar, the Federal Reserve dollar, uh, fraud, which I really believe it is. Axel Merck uh, will be with me at about half past the hour today to help us understand federal open market trickery and tell us of his new ETF, his gold ETF, which actually allows you to take physical possession of gold. Very interesting product. Uh, I'm really looking forward to my discussion with Axel, and he'll have a lot to say as well, I'm sure, about uh, the markets right now. Uh, what does he anticipate from Janet Yellen uh, as she comes out and talks about FOMC policy. So we do have to go to break now, but when we come back, uh, I'm expecting to have Terry Coughlin with me, uh, the CEO of Go Gold Resources. Don't go away. I'll be right back with uh, Terry. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. Go Gold Resources, considered a buy by several well-known analysts, is soon to be Mexico's newest gold and silver producer. With two impressive developments, Go Gold's Paral Tailings Project, with first pour anticipated in May, is expected to produce 1.8 million ounces of silver equivalent per year, generating a steady 12-year cash flow. Santa Gertrudis, a past-producing gold mine, could potentially be put back into production by mid-2015, Advancing quickly and led by a team of experienced mind builders, Go Gold is one to watch. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. 
you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time Terry Coughlin. He is the CEO of Go Gold Resources. This is a company uh, that has just entered, actually started producing some silver and gold uh, from a tailings project in Mexico. Uh, I have recently recommended Go Gold Resources in my own newsletter, uh, and so uh, it's one that I think has, has a great shot at doing well in the future. Uh, but one of the things I like about it an awful lot is the fact that they are uh, generating cash flow early on to help fund and grow their company organically uh, from inside rather than having to go out and issue shares of stock, which is especially painful at this time, at this point in time in the, um, uh, in the junior resource uh, cycle. Terry is from uh, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. He is, as I mentioned, the president and CEO, and he's also a director of Go Gold Resources. He uh, has a bachelor's degree in geology from St. Mary University and has been actively involved in the mineral resource industry since 1984. He was a director of Gammon Gold, a mineral exploration company which traded on the Toronto Exchange and New York Exchange as well, and served as vice president and director of that company from 1997 to 2003. And he was also vice president of Acadian Minerals Corporation from 2003 to February 2010. Uh, and a director of Acadian as well. So he's had a very substantial background uh, in the mineral, uh, in the mining industry. Uh, Just a a word about Go Gold. It trades on the Toronto Exchange under the symbol GGD, uh, and you can buy it down here in the United States under the symbol uh, GLGDF. I see this stock is trading at about $1.55 Canadian earlier today, 139, just shy of 140 million shares outstanding. Welcome, Terry. It's really good to have you with me. Well, thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me. It's uh, really quite a nice story, and I, I guess uh, I knew uh, that you were, had something in the making uh, a year or two ago, but it was when I met up with you at the PDAC uh, this, this March that I really started to say, hey, wait, this, is, this looks like a really good story, and I proceeded to put it in my newsletter. You, um, you've really come out of the shoot here, I guess, early production because you picked up Tailing, a tailings project at the uh, Parral mine in Chihuahua, Mexico. Is that right? It's Parral, yes, in, in Chihuahua, Mexico. That's correct, yeah. And, and yeah. so what do you uh, – you just poured your first silver and gold bar the other day. What mm-hmm. do you expect you can do? Uh, wh- how much do you think you can produce from, these tail- from this tailings project, and what would be the mine life there? Well, the mine life right now is, is uh, slated for about 12 years at 5,000 tons a day. And um, so it's, it's 21 million tons of tailings, so it's quite a large tailings pile. And the grade is, is actually pretty good. It's, uh, it's just over a gram equivalent gold, which is, which is high grade for a, for a heap leach operation in Mexico. So we're, we've got um, our, our goal is to, to move it from 5,000 tons a day to 10,000 tons a day early next year. And so the mine life will shorten to about seven years. But uh, the cash flow from that in 2015 is anticipated after tax about 30 million cash flow. So it's 30? Uh, Three yeah. zero. Yes, that is yeah. really good. Uh, Thirty million dollars uh, can can go quite a ways in uh, in exploring some of your other projects. And I want to get to that mm-hmm. as well. So you're so. I mean, this is this is remarkable because you don't have to go and dig this out of the ground. It's sitting on top of the ground. 
you That's found right. what are your recoveries because a lot of times obviously tailings were left over from previous production so what what kind of recoveries are you getting out of this well, we're getting 63% recovery on the gold and, uh-huh. and about uh, 54 to 56% recovery on, on the silver. And is it so, is more silver value than gold? or No question. Not? There's 26 million ounces of silver and there's, I think, 212,000 ounces of gold. So, And then for the okay. first three years, anticipated production is up around the 3 million ounces of silver, and then it gets more into the gold near the, uh, the back end of the mine. You're not selling anything forward, are you? Uh, no, we have a um, an offtake agreement with with a group, but it's only an eight day look back, and and uh, it works out to about probably two percent. So it's not a of of market uh, value. So it's so. Virtu- so it's virtually a spot. Uh, That's right. Contract. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh, all right. So this this can uh, so the, you're talking thirty million dollars this year at current gold price, silver uh, that'd and gold be, prices. That'd be 2015, yeah, so like full year of production, and, and yeah. uh, we should be in uh, commercial production, which is about 60% of nameplate by uh, September, so um, basically September to September should generate around uh, you know, uh, two, 200 or, uh, 30 million uh, cash flow over that period of time. And that's with 5,000 tons per day? That's correct, yes. And could we double that if you go to, assuming similar prices and costs, would That's they right. be similar if you go to 10,000, or would there be some economies of scale there even? Well, there, yeah, it should be economies of scale, and uh, you know, it would be probably you know, the $50, $60 million range a, a year. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the, our goal is to, is to have that up to 10,000 tons a day and, and then also bring our, uh, the other project that we, we purchased just recently online uh, mid-next year, and that should generate uh, pretty good cash flow too. Yeah, I want to get to that, but I'm just looking at these numbers now. If you're talking $30 million with 139, 140 million shares, it's, uh, that's meaningful in terms no, no of question. a per share, per share valuation. Mm-hmm. And I would think in terms of your current share price as well. Uh, okay, so let's get to the other project you just picked up uh, recently. I just acquired from mm-hmm. Animus, I believe it was, a company that I had followed in the past. I always liked those people. I thought they were really good people. They mm-hmm. did a lot of good work there, but obviously fell upon hard times. This is the nature of the business a lot of times. And, yeah. uh, but the Santa Gertrudis project mm-hmm. uh, in Mexico as well, talk to us about that. What, what's, uh, you say you could get into production within a year or something like that there? Yeah, well, the, the reason being, it, it was a past-producing mine. It was uh, a Phelps Dodge project at one time, uh, sold mm-hmm. to Campbell Resources. Uh, back around uh, 2000, when gold hit $300 uh, an ounce and under, uh, the mine uh, went bankrupt based on a project that they had actually up in Quebec, Campbell Resources. Uh, they had mm-hmm. a water problem there. So the, the, the project uh, went idle at that point, reverted back to the, the Mexican um, landholders there, and uh, Animus went in in uh, you know, 2005, and, and and really did a good job of putting the the land package back together. Like you say, they're great, they're great people to doing that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, went and did some exploration for Molly. There was some Molly on the project or something, and and they went in and did some holes, and, and of course had their stock go up, and then of course uh, the remainder of the holes came in dead after that, and really ignored the uh, the the mine that was there. Uh, there was a lot of um, Finding history there, it was a heap leach. Uh, they only crushed it to four inches. They had 75% recovery. Uh, the, the grade of the mine was around a couple of grams, so it's perfect. It's probably real high grade for, for a, a heap leach project. And uh, so we went, we started digging into the history, and uh, they were trading, I think, around three or four cents at the time and, and realized that the half a million ounces of, of uh, inferred resource that they had there was actually, we, we, we thought, considerably larger. And um, there was, you know, 10, 12 years of, 
of exploration history there. Probably, they probably spent in, in today's dollars of between 100 and 150 million dollars to Whoa. generate that data, and uh, really fell in love with the project. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, there's water on site. Uh, a lot of the whole roads are already there. Some of the pits are pre-stripped, uh, ready to go, and uh, there's a mine site there. It's um, housing and, and uh, you know, core shacks and, and, and everything mm-hmm. is in place. So all that infrastructure that would have cost us, you know, a few million dollars, obviously, to build and, and construct is already there. So it's simply re, reestablishing mining or we're putting and, the mine back into production. So and and at you, the time it did close down, there was about five or 600,000 ounces in front of them. So, it, wow. uh, yeah, so we, we've gone in. We, we generated a new resource today. Uh, it was actually just out this morning. Uh, it's uh, right now at 609,000 ounces of uh, indicated resource of 1.1 grams and another 141,000 ounces inferred at uh, around a gram 0.97 so okay so uh, that's and that's open pit obviously yeah that's an open no pit it's an and expansion of the old pit and that's heat right. leaching okay exactly. and uh okay so you've had a previous a previous mining experience there you got electric power there as well uh, no, we'll have to do some generation there, but it's it's a very you know low low energy uh, type of mine. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, because it's carbon, heat bleaching. Yeah. bleaching. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. So, have you? Can you talk to us at all about? economic anticipations or is it too early well um, what what uh, now that the resource is out uh, today uh, we anticipate a, a PEA in in July um, mm-hmm. and you'll start to see the, the you know the NAV value of, of that project and and uh, you know we anticipated it going to be uh, considerable especially with the number of ounces that we've we've just put on the books for for resource here um, you know obviously it won't won't talk reserve but uh, because it's past production and, and the history is there we, we've got a pretty good hand Handle on on numbers. Mm-hmm. We've built a number of mines in Mexico now. We just finished the construction of a heap leach facility, so we've got the costing down quite well. So we, we think that the cost of this to build is going to be between twenty and twenty five million dollars, uh, which is very very low capex, uh, and, and that's what we look for: low low entry points into in this environment, especially, and uh, what we think are, are uh, low cost ounces to produce. Well, we don't have the studies out yet, but back in the envelope, we we believe that both projects together. Should produce between 100 and 125,000 ounces a year, and uh, we're, we're pretty confident that it'll be below, you know, the $700 range all-in cost. But oh, of course, that that'll come in the studies and over the next little while. Yeah, well, that sounds uh, that sounds pretty good. I mean, there's mm-hmm. pretty good margins there, especially, of mm-hmm. course, as we know in this business, everything changes. We were no question, you know, <laughs> and it's uh, it's dynamic, so everything changes. I mean, immediately after uh, a couple of years after the Lehman Brothers debacle, the real price of gold rose very dramatically, and and mining profits went up very substantially. And then uh, since 2011 or so, the mining industry has have a, had a tough time. But obviously, if you could produce it. 700 bucks or so a cash cost but yeah 20 25 million uh, dollars mm-hmm. for these this day and age is a very reasonable capex for sure what about the exploration potential here it seems to me uh, in, in the little review that I did that you have a lot of upside exploration potential here as well no question. The resource that you, you, you saw this morning, uh, Jay, was, was yeah. an in-pit resource. So there's a lot of uh, actual drill intercepts outside of those pits uh, that require you know, some more drilling, some more confidence to put them into a, a pit shell. And uh, I think there's a, you know, a few hundred of, uh, drill intercepts, that we, the historic ones that were drilled by you know, Campbell and also uh, uh, Phelps Dodge that uh, with, a, with a bit of a follow-up can, can add answers substantially to this product. They're all near surface to all the pits 
pits are within you know 100 meters of surface. So it's it's uh, easy drilling, it's short holes, and uh, we think we can add you know considerable ounces here over the next uh, you know uh, 12 months. So, so uh, so that's your second. That's really your flagship property with the other uh, tailings project providing some very meaningful cash flow to fund this into production. I mean, if you're if you're producing 30 million of, of cash flow. A year, mm-hmm. if you're able to get to that point, uh, mm-hmm. then you would think a lot of the capex could be internally funded, even possibly. Uh, no, Am no I question. right about we that? Don't, we, do, we don't anticipate going to the market for for an equity financing. Uh, we have um, some warrants that are coming due in February, but we've got an early uh, exercise uh, program out right now, um, incentive program to uh, to the warrant holders. There are a lot of big bigger funds in the U.S. that have been following us through the years and are different entities that that hold stock in our company, and uh, they're quite willing. Uh, they're at least they're telling us that they'll exercise their warrants here in the next uh, um, few weeks, and that should generate. Uh, there's 18 million dollars worth of warrants on the books, and, and if we get you know two thirds of that or a third of that, uh, it'll help us move move this mine along uh, quickly. We've also have a, a, a debt financer that uh, helped to fund the Perel project that are very very interested in in funding the uh, the Santa Gertrudis project also. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we'll, we won't have to go back to the markets for for any more more cash. That's for sure. Oh, that's so. You, so the dilution factor with 140 million shares. What if if all of those warrants were exercised? What would that? How many warrants are out there? Uh, it'll be 159 million fully diluted. Or that is the fully diluted number. So 159 basically. fully diluted. Okay. Well, yep. not yep. not bad at all. For mm-hmm. if you can get to that point, uh, produce. Uh, uh, hundred, hundred and twenty-five thousand ounces a year. With uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it looks. It, the economics look really good. Uh, what can you tell me about Mexico and security? It's some issues that uh, in some site, some places in Mexico, there's some concerns about security issues. Uh, no, no question. There is in some places in Mexico. Um, we, we our projects are in, in, in really good areas. Uh, we're not we're not too concerned. We've been working down there for almost twenty years, and I really never had an incident uh, that uh, was anywhere near uh, you know uh, a problem for us. So um, we've uh, we've we're pretty well known down in Mexico from the number of mines that we've been involved with and the companies that we've built, and uh, so we've we've had some pretty uh, pretty good success down there. Never really had any 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 problems. And, and again, the projects are in in, in good areas uh, away from the, uh, the the fringe areas that 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 have problems down there. So, obviously, uh, at Santa Gratuitas, you're going to be focused primarily, I would imagine, this year in getting that uh, uh, commercial production achieved at those costs and so forth. But mm-hmm. uh, you, you have a tremendous exploration potential there. Uh, are you planning to spend any money on exploring uh, at the Santa Gratuitas? Well, we're actually drilling there right now, and uh, yeah. the, the goal is to expand the resource as quick as we can, and, and actually have hopefully more ounces uh, for for the PE, uh, PEA in in, uh, in July even. So, mm-hmm. um, a, a few holes in, in certain areas can add ounces quickly. So, uh, we're 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 uh, you know pedal to the metal and, and, and putting as many drill holes in, in areas that we think we can. Uh, and P and E uh, out of Toronto here uh, did the. Uh, uh, the resource study, and they've they've actually identified a few areas for us to to put holes quickly to uh, to uh, grow the resource. So uh, we're, we're okay. Uh, we're just about out of time here, but one mm-hmm. more question. I know that you have another a third project called the Santa uh, San Diego project. Right. Just talk to us briefly. Take a minute and tell us about that story, about that project. 
Yeah, it's a very large project. We started the company with uh, back about three years ago. Um, had some exceptional drill results, and and uh, you know one of the one of the best holes in my career. I think 194 meters of 1.1 copper, 87 grams mm. silver, and 0.3 gold. And uh, basically, the market doesn't care about expiration these days. So you know we've had other holes, seven meters of 938 grams silver, and and uh, you know 84 meters of 1.98 grams per ton gold. And and wow. uh, you know it, it. So we we you know we did definitely get some value out of that in the market. It, but uh, our main goal right now is, is, and I think the market out there in general, uh, we, we switch gears from the expiration. We still have that project. It's a great project, lots of upside. And uh, so we've got uh, a lot of things to go back and, and, and explore once this cash flow starts. So, Boy, you sure do. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's very exciting, I think. And uh, I guess your website is gogoldresources.com. People, uh, would, listeners should really go there and check it out. There's a lot of... Uh, good information there and uh, a lot of pictures that help you get a, a sense and a perspective of what Terry has just been talking to us about. Anything else, Terry, you'd like to add before we conclude our discussion today? The management team that we have in place, it was been in a management team for a number of companies. Uh, you know, Go Gold Resources, that was ours. We started it from the first drill hole, took it through uh, $2.2 billion market cap. Uh, Mexico started it from zero, basically sold it for $387 million. And um, so, so we're, do, we're doing it again. Uh, we've mm-hmm. raised over a billion dollars in the market over the last uh, 15 years, and, and uh, so we're capable of raising money. We raised $80 million for Go Gold uh, over the last uh, three years, probably in the worst time anybody is oh. seen in the market, so we've, we've got a great management team that can raise money, and, and, and we love building mines, and that's what we do. Well, raising money and building mines is sort of a rare combination. There's a lot of people who know how to raise money but don't know how to build mines, and so it's, uh, it's uh, congratulations on, on apparently pulling something together again that looks like, looks like it's going to be a success. I want to thank you very much, Terry, for being with us, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime in the not-too-distant future. Okay. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Well, folks, don't go away because uh, when I come back after the commercial break, Axel Merck is going to be with me to talk about his new ETF, which allows you to take delivery of your gold. Can you believe that? You don't, it's not just paper gold he's promising here. You can actually take the hard metal and have it delivered to you. So we'll ask, we'll ask Axel about his views on, on that as, uh, on the markets as well, and distorted markets, I would say, that really some very, uh, I think, interesting things going on in the equity markets and the gold share markets, but also uh, in the bullion markets, the currency markets. So Axel, I'm sure, will have a lot of uh, very interesting things to say. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Axel Merck. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Axel Merck. Axel is the president and CIO of Merck Investments. Uh, he's the manager of the Merck Funds, uh, which he founded in Switzerland in 1994 by pooling the investments he had been managing for his, fr- for his friends starting in his college days. Uh, he then relocated the firm to California in 2001 as a, an SEC-registered investment advisory advisory firm and he has a couple of very interesting funds uh the one we want to talk to him most about today is the most is his most recent one a very unique etf a gold etf uh and the symbol on that is ounce o-u-n-z uh so welcome axel it's really good to have you back with us again great to be with you again Really good to have you. And first, I want to thank you very much for inviting me to attend the opening bell ceremony at the New York Stock Exchange a few weeks back uh, to celebrate the uh, trading of your new gold ETF. That is, uh, I guess, the name of it, the proper name is Merck Gold Trust. Uh, trades on the New York Exchange under the symbol O-U-N-Z. So thanks uh, again, Merck uh, Axel, for uh, inviting me there. That was really a fun time. Well, what made the event really special is is the folks that came, including you. I mean, the the ringing ceremony itself is, of course, a very nice marketing gig. But um, as you know, we met in the boardroom of the New York Stock Exchange that has huge history, and a lot of shakers in the gold industry were there, and uh, that that made that event very very special. It was very special, and uh, I, I must say though that, that that wife of yours who helped you ring the bell with her red dress on was also uh, part of the appeal. You can tell her I said that. I, I think she's a very attractive, very, very attractive lady, and uh, and the two of you complement each other very nicely in business. So, I just throw that out there for whatever it's worth. I, I really enjoyed the people that you brought with you that I hadn't met before, and uh, it was just a great experience. So, uh, well, let's talk a little bit out about OUNZ. Um, the other day, I purchased a thousand shares of OUNZ in my IRA. It cost me about. Well, to be exact, I've got the number written down, $12,679. Now, as I understand it, those, that really represents, the, the 1,000 shares really represents about 10 ounces of gold. Is that right? Do I have, have it right? Yes, that's correct. And uh, you are, you're basically, you own a prorater ownership of the gold that, that we own underneath. And as the, as there are more people buying it, we put more gold into the trust. It's an exchange traded fund. And one ounce corresponds to approximately one, one hundredth of an ounce of gold. And what I've been able to see is that as, as I've looked at my screen here, I, I look at the price of a share of uh, OUNZ and it's almost perfectly correlated with the price, the spot price I see at Kitco. How do you explain well, there's, there's no, no difference? It seems almost, that's, almost that's, perfectly that's kind correlated. Of, that's, that's kind of the idea. I mean, it's an exchange. We, we have two objectives. One is to hold gold and the option take delivery. We can talk about that in a moment. The secondary objective is to track the price of gold. And that's possible through the mechanism of the exchange-traded funds where you have other market makers that, that compete to make a market. Um, and uh, basically, the market makers, they make a market for all kinds of gold products. And so they hedge the entire gold portfolio 
portfolio. So even if this product is comparatively small compared to the, the big ones out there, um, they can offer fabulous pricing. And uh, as we've seen that they're in, in, the, in the month or so that this, this fund has been in, uh, trading. And uh, the, the point is that you can place even large orders. And uh, at this stage, the price has tracked the, the underlying price very, very closely. Um, given that this is a regulated industry, I can't make promises. But the way that this is set up, um, this, this should work. And it has been working. And we are, we are very excited to have a product that, that's working as advertised. Well, it's very convenient to be able to look at your... Uh, at your share price and, and quickly multiply it in your head and know how many ounces of gold or what what the value of it is if you know the price of gold. Okay, let's let's talk now about how we would take delivery. Suppose I wanted to say, okay, I'd like to get my 10 ounces of gold. Um, can you walk me through how I, how I would go through that if I wanted to do that? Yeah, sure. The, the easiest is to, to go to our website where we walk you through our process at mercgold.com. We have a, a section called on taking delivery and then specifically we also have a section, a gold calculator that, that walks you through it. And, uh, but the short of it is you, you fill in an online application, you talk to us, and uh, we pre-approve that application. Uh, we allow, for example, home delivery of the gold, um, and, uh, but we do have to check the address and so forth. And then when you're ready, and when we've pre-approved the application, uh, you are transferring the shares to the trustee. It's a regular share transfer. You're submitting mm-hmm. the shares, the shares are retired, and at that stage, we're sending out the gold. Now, having said that, um, we, like many of the other gold trusts out there, we are holding London bars. Those are these clunky big bars that are great uh-huh. for institutional trading, but you probably rather have a few coins. Our right. minimum amount that we allow people to take delivery of is one ounce. Well, the way we do that is we're not going to chop off a piece of a London bar, but we're <laughs> going to trade the London bar for coins. Sure. And the reason, one of the reasons why we're tracking the underlying price of gold is because the institutional pricing of gold is in London bars. Now, clearly a gold coin tends to trade at a premium, and so part of this process is you're going to pay us a fee to convert it into a coin. Sure. You can always take delivery of the London bar, but you can also request to have, a, a, say, a one-ounce coin, and one-ounce coins we can do home delivery of. London bars, we have to deliver with something like Brinks, Armored Korea. They won't deliver to a home address, but they can deliver to, to, to a business address. And the entire process um, with, with coins to deliver to home ad- address takes a good week or so. Okay, and how, how large is a London bar? How many ounces? Um, they, well, they are between 350 and 430 ounces. It's one of the uh-huh. challenges London bars have. They're, not, they're standardized in that range. They also have a lower purity than, than your typical coin has. They have a purity of a minimum of 95% only, whereas most of the coins that, that most folks in the retail world these days want to have have a higher purity, a triple niner, quadruple niner, and so forth. Uh, very few coins have a lower purity. The American Gold Eagle is, is one of them. But um, all of you, you can, by the way, one thing I should mention, it is a tax-free exchange. You're merely taking delivery of what you already own. So it's not a tax prevent to take delivery of your gold. And the, the way you should imagine using this sort of fund is that imagine you like to buy the ETF, but a couple of years down the road, you'd rather own the coins for whatever reason. Well, with another way of holding gold to an exchange share product, you probably have to sell the ETF, have a tax prevent, and then buy the coin. Whereas with our product, you can just say, hey, I'd like to take delivery of what I already own, and you pay the premium for what it costs to, to get the coin instead of the London bar. Oh, that's a very important distinction, too. I hadn't thought of that advantage. Yeah, very important. Well, I, I understand that the gold is stored 
with J.P. Morgan, is that right? And uh, if that's true, I think that would probably cause some consternation in the hearts and minds of some of my gold bug friends. Is, is, that, is that true? Is that where it's stored with J.P. Morgan in it, London? It is true, and the reason it's held there is because they can do it. We worked on this product for four years. We talked to everybody in industry, to the, mm-hmm. from the storage industry, to Canadian banks, to the Royal Canadian Mint in Canada, to other banks. Um, we, it was an amazing journey. But the short of it is that J.P. Morgan can do it. Now, clearly, um, as, I, as I'm aware, some folks in the blogosphere do have some issues with that. Um, I visited the vault uh, just, uh, I think it was a week ago. On Friday, I was in uh, visiting the, oh, it was two weeks ago by now. It, I visited the, the vault in London. That in itself was, was quite an experience. And so okay. I did do a count on gold bar. I did uh, write a little um, write-up on that. It's at mergold.com. You can see um, my certification that I saw the gold there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, J.P. Morgan is holding the gold. One of the things you have to keep in mind that with an exchange-traded product, you have to adhere to the standard settlement periods. Um, so when mm-hmm. you buy and sell shares and so forth, and um, some of those aspects and many other attributes were difficult, if not impossible, to implement with others, and, and that's why we work uh, with, with J.P. Morgan. Okay, so well, it, it all makes sense uh, for sure. Um, so you were at the at the vault and uh, quite an experience. I, I know that you had passed along to uh, to some of the people on your list that you were going to be doing that. And um, so tell us a little bit about that. What's it What's it like? You you well, sure. you, you actually I'm, count the bars and but you don't know the you know the size and all that. Well, the, um, we um, we did weigh some bars and, and showed all these things um, mm-hmm. in the, in, in, um, in when when I kind of went through the process of the bar. I've, I visited quite a few vaults. They all have different security processes. J.P. Mm-hmm. Morgan's are very comprehensive. Um, and uh, many of the vaults check mostly that nobody can break in at J.P. Morgan. They also take it very seriously that nobody can take gold out of the of the staff. Um, mm-hmm. The first thing my office had said, "I hey, take take a, a selfie of yourself in front of the vault," and I, I had the best of intentions doing it. But once I was there in 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 the city of London, um, I decided that that is not the best idea because you literally have billions sitting there and and taking a picture of <laughs> right exactly where it is isn't so prudent because you're inviting everybody to go and, and rob that place. Um, security <laughs> precautions are obviously quite, quite, quite amazing there. Um, and uh, J.P. Morgan probably has the, the most comprehensive measures in place of all the places that I've visited over the years. And so, but the point is that you are able at any time virtually to go and have it audited or, or looked at. Is that yes? Uh, they, so, yeah. Yes, we okay. can. We I can go myself. I can send in an independent auditor, and mm-hmm. uh, and then at the same time, we do also have a scheduled audit that that happens once a year um, to do a formal audit as part of the annual report. Um, but yes, we can audit surprise. Also, we can decide to move the gold to another custodian. We also have the and or assign multiple custodians. So we do have all these authorities if, indeed, we were to lose confidence that this is the right place to hold the gold in. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, we, as part of forming the trust, we try to address as many of these issues as possible. We have a couple of guiding principles on our website that we put together in designing this product uh, to find the best mix of what is, on the one hand, practical for an exchange credit product, on the other hand, to try to address as many concerns as possible. And the key feature, obviously, is that you can take delivery, you can have it delivered to your home address. We can send it, by the way. Uh, you can request it anywhere in the world. And so we don't put any restrictions on where you have that gold delivered to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so with that, I think we provide a lot of flexibility. Even if we don't think that many people will take delivery, we have a scalable product. 
And by the way, we have a patent on that process. We have a unique new process that is scalable. Um, some other gold products claim that you can take delivery. Ours works and is scalable. If a thousand people want to take delivery, we can make it happen. That's another item why we didn't go um, with one of the big players in the in the in the industry because they 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 showed for marketing purposes they once delivered gold. But if you ask them, would you open your vault a couple of times a year or a couple of times a week? They said, no, thank you. Oh, okay. So there's a so that's re, that's assuring. So there's no way uh, legally that J.P. Morgan could lease that gold out. No. And if you have the ability allocated. to win there, and this gold is fully allocated. This is all held on a segregated okay. basis. Okay. All right. Yes. Well, I think those are all very important points, Axel, and I thank you for clarifying that. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's very good. Well, of course, we own gold for reasons because, uh, well, I own gold because I don't honestly don't trust the uh, what James Grant calls a PhD standard. I trust the gold standard. I don't trust politicians. I don't. I know that we are creating tremendous amounts of dollar. There's dollar debasement beyond belief with trillions of dollars being created. Um, you recently put out a piece that I thought was very interesting, and very important. It was titled "Is Your Portfolio a House of Cards?" So let's. I'd like to ask. Start out by asking, just what is your view of the U.S. economy now? I mean, I, I know that when I turn on CNBC and the mainstream uh, press, they'll say, well, they'll admit that things aren't as good as they used to be, but they're getting better and things are coming along. And and don't worry, we're, we're we'll pull out of this. Okay, we just keep doing what we're doing, printing more money, and uh, sooner or later things are going to be all right. But what's your view of the overall? What's your overall view of the United States economy now, and, and maybe address the, the global, the bigger economy, the global economy? Sure. Well, first of all, by by putting a label out there, is your portfolio house of cards? Is a little bit of a pun on the TV series that refers to our, our dear politicians. Uh-huh. What what you have to keep in mind is in the U.S. we've based our recovery on asset price inflation, and uh, that is great if you own assets. Except even if you do own assets, the problem is that these things can revert very quickly. And suddenly, the, the glass may be half empty. One of the reasons why Bernanke in particular tried to push asset price inflation at, at just about any cost is because when you have millions of homeowners underwater, those don't make for good consumers. So he thinks by pushing up the price level, con- homeowners are no longer underwater, and as such, we live happily ever after. Um, the challenge is that we cannot afford positive real interest rates. If at some point the, 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 the unthinkable is going to happen that we get economic growth, well, what do you think is going to happen to bond prices? They should plunge, making the cost of financing the deficit ever more expensive. In Japan, we see that very clearly, um, that with a huge debt-to-GDP ratio, in my view, it's impossible to finance the deficit. Fear not, though. We have central banks around that can keep the cost of borrowing low. The Bank of Japan is denying that they would use uh, the printing press to finance the government debt, but of course, that's what they do. Um, in Europe, Mario Draghi, the head of the European Central Bank, has said real interest rates are negative and will become more negative over time. And it's in the U.S. where we're made to believe that we have this quote-unquote exit strategy. But if you run the numbers in 10 years from now, um, I just don't see how we're going to come up with, um, depending on which numbers you look at, um, between $900 billion or over a trillion a year um, in additional expenses just to pay interest expense um, if interest rates were to go up. And and the, the way you can do it is you can have massively higher taxes. Um, you can cut spending dramatically. With the gridlock we have in Congress, 
I don't think either of those are going to be realistic. And so we're going to have the same thing as we have in Japan or in the Eurozone. We're going to have a bias towards negative real rates. And that causes all kinds of issues. And one of them is, of course, it, it might, be, might be beneficial to the price of gold, but it creates all kinds of other headaches as well. Oh, for sure. Well, uh, it was, uh, I guess it was the Bank of England's Carney. It was just yesterday or last day or two talking about higher rates. Do you, do you think they're, they're about to take place? Do you think we're about to see, uh, a decline in the bond markets? And certainly some consternation. A very troubling article in the day's Financial Times. The Fed fears over bond fund run. The Fed is afraid. Uh, that there's going to be people, or, uh, individuals are going to pull money out of the bond funds, and the bond funds then won't be able to sell their assets, uh, relatively illiquid assets underneath. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts? I mean, it, if, if we have a very weak economy, why would interest rates go up? I mean, if, if we're really starting to get economic growth, they can lie about the numbers if they want to to a point. But if everybody's unemployed, if, if, if people are, you know, people pretty soon don't believe the politicians – no matter how good they tell the story, right? So, well, a couple, we, couple of different topics, yes. So, a couple of yeah. different topics here. Um, first of all, in some countries in the world, yes, things are looking a little different. New Zealand, by the way, is a place that has been raising rates. Um, mm-hmm. they, the Chinese are drinking plenty of, of milk powder that's, or milk that's produced through, through, through the dairy industry in New uh-huh. Zealand. Um, the Chinese are buying lots of homes in New Zealand, so they've been raising rates. In the UK, um, when Connie came in, everybody thought he would be super dovish, but he's had tailwinds ever since he's come there, um, amongst others, is because all the Russians need to put their money somewhere, and one of the places they put it in is into Russian in, into into London homes. It's the one place right. where they think the money is safe. The problem, of course, is that even if you raise rates, you're not going to be able to to calm down the housing market with that. But but yes, Connie is probably going to be one of the fellows who's going to try to raise rates, and in the short term, that's going to provide this the sterling, in our view, um, some tailwinds. In the long term, the British economy does have major challenges. Now, regarding the other issue you mentioned, yes, the Federal Reserve, some folks on, on the Federal Reserve are concerned that if there's a run on bonds, well, because you can, in, in mutual funds, you, have, you can get your money back the next day, um, that that's kind of a wrapper that might be masking some underlying challenges. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so if everybody wants to sell the mutual fund, they said, well, maybe we should put some circuit breakers in place, including a transaction fee. And yeah. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I mean, mm-hmm. basically you're saying that retail investors are, are going to get the short end of the stick and the professionals right. can sell all the bonds they want. Um, as a mutual fund manager myself, we do buy fixed income instruments, but typically money market instruments. We, we, the reason we buy them is because we want to be able to sell them. Now, if others are irresponsibly buying illiquid stuff, they're going to get bailed out again. I mean, no matter how you look at it, this just smells bad, uh, yeah. which probably means it's the perfect thing for the government to do. But, uh, but it's, it, it's just um, amazing that these are the sort of thought processes they have. Clearly, if for whatever reason bonds sell off, be that because of growth or because of high inflation, well, you can't stop the market. And if you're going to punish one group, in particular retail investors, um, that's going to create a, a huge backlash. But, but fear not. I mean, uh, um, regulators are going to get involved and uh, they're going to think of some, in, some solution that's not going to make anything better, I don't think. Well, obviously, um, you know, I've certainly not been a proponent of buying bonds, uh, corporate or otherwise, but yet uh, when the Fed pushes interest rates down, they force people out to, to look for yields, right, to find, to find cash flow from their investments uh, because they're not allowed to, uh, to be where the market would normally take them. And so we probably have, and uh, some people have said that we've got a bond bubble here. Would you agree with that? 
I, I would certainly agree with that. And uh, one of the things, I'm not going to mention any competitors' names here, but um, some bond funds, big ones, have had outflows. Others have had inflows. If you look at some of the big shops of bond funds that have inflows, they use so-called alternative fixed income funds or whatever they may be. And if you look at the advertisements, they now promote, they invest in MLPs, Master Limited Partnerships. And uh, then you look a little deeper. And Master Limited Partnerships, by the way, are not liquid at all. They invest in mm-hmm. them with like 1%, but they can put it out as a advertisement. And then if you look deeper, the biggest holdings are an emerging market dividend-paying stocks. Well, that, those might be good investments, but that's not a bond fund. And yeah. so people are lured into all kinds of exotic fixed income instruments. What we tell folks is, well, why don't you kind of look at true alternatives and, and our kind of uh, our um, expertise in the currency markets, there you can design a portfolio that has a low correlation to other things you can do. And because while we think it's the best thing since sliced bread, um, the gold market is, is more easily understood. We, we come out with a gold product. We actually try to do something about this market and provide investors with, with opportunities to, to diversify. Um, but sure, look at these bond products. But if you do look at them, please look at their holdings. They're all hiding in plain sight. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, speaking of currencies, now you mentioned New Zealand. Is is that a currency that you're bullish on for the time being, Axel? Well, we were until early this year, and uh-huh. then uh, all good things can get a little pricey. And so um, the New Zealand, we got negative on the New Zealand dollar, especially versus the Australian dollar, because the Australian dollar everybody hated, New Zealand dollar everybody loved. We like to be contrarian. But what's mm-hmm. been happening of late that in New Zealand dollars that good news just keep coming out, and so that keeps pushing up the New Zealand dollar. So we've reduced the kind of our negative sentiment on that. Um, and fundamentally, everything is great. It's just the valuation is a little pricey. Australia, we are quite excited about, most notably because we are far more positive on China than many others are. I think China is most misunderstood, and with China not falling apart, um, the Australian dollar should also do, do quite well. And because the Australian dollar is, relatively speaking, much cheaper, we think there's more upside potential in the Australian dollar. Very interesting. Now, is, would you say that New Zealand uh, is has a less intrusive monetary policy, less less um, uh, regulate? I mean, is there less regulation? Is there more of a free market in New Zealand? I remember some years ago, New Zealand really came out with a with a more free market orientation in their economy. Is that still true of New Zealand? In, in general, yes. Of course, there are politics also happening. I don't, can't go into depth on in all of those things. Yeah. But keep in mind, of course, the New Zealand economy is much smaller. I mean, yeah. one sheep dies and, and the GDP plunges in, in New Zealand. <laughs> um, the, the, the Chinese are buying homes not just in California. They're also buying homes in New Zealand. And all of these things have a massive impact on the economy. Generally speaking, they allow the currency to appreciate, to put a dampener on exports, and that's a very natural way of cooling down the economy. So from that point of view... They're embracing those things much more, but politically it's very difficult. So last year they tried to quote unquote exhaust all the macro prudential tools, as they're called, to calm the housing market. That didn't work, but they did that for political reasons, and now they're raising rates to cool the markets, and, and those things are working. So, in the scheme of things, yes, they're far more pro market than many other countries around the world. New, um, your, your fund, uh, mention to our listeners the name of your fund that handles the currencies. You've got a couple of different funds besides Allen's. You talked to us before about it, but tell our listeners again about your fund that handles currencies. Sure. We have, we have three of them. Uh, go to MerckFunds.com. Um, the, the one that I was mostly referring to is, is our Merck Absolute Return Currency Fund. We call it our currency war strategy. One of the things we believe is that as little as we make, like our policymakers, we think they're predictable. A lot of what we do is try to 
study policymakers throughout the world and allocate money by being a step ahead of them. And so our, our absolute return currency strategy has, has done just that. We also have a hard currency fund that's more of a managed basket of currencies where we diversify out of the dollar to, to a basket of currencies. Well, very good. I think that's uh, some very good. Uh, how has that fund performed? The, the um, absolute return the, the, fund. The, 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 the absolute return fund. We, we substantially enhanced the the investment process. The summer of 2012. Since then, has has done great. Um, great as far as what the fund should do. We're not trying to get equity type of returns, but we're looking for for mid to upper single digit type of returns, and that's done that. Our hard currency fund has done, by the way, also quite well. But it's way too boring for most people because they're chasing returns in the equity markets these days. Um, we need a good old fashioned uh, stock market crash, which I don't think is too far off for for the Hot currency strategy to again become more popular. Okay, Axel. Unfortunately, we're we're out of time. Uh, we go on and on with you for sure. I look forward to talking to you again sometime in the near future. Thank you very much for being with us today. My pleasure. Uh, well, folks, we do have a second hour coming up, and um, we're going to be talking uh, to David Jensen as well uh, as we're going to be exploring um, the issue of American foreign policy with Stephen Harper in Asia. He's going to talk about the growing hostility towards the United States. Stephen Harper is an investment advisor, uh, formerly with the State Department, and has a lot of very important things. So go to J. Taylor Media immediately, click on the podcast button, and I'll see you there. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with J. Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. 